What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Here to Evolve podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Alessandra. And this is episode two of season two. And today we are talking about the importance of tracking your biofeedback. So I think to start, I'm going to have Josh, well, why don't you just tell us what biofeedback is? When we're talking about biofeedback, well, when we have our clients rate it on their check-ins, the, the main things we're talking about are sleep, stress, soreness, energy levels, hunger levels. Um, we have those get, actually get rated on a day-to-day basis so we can figure out how things are moving up and down, um, make sure everything's going in the right direction. You can also throw hormones in there as well. And basically, it's just your body talking to you and it's, it's figuring out the right things you have to listen to. So how things are going internally, are they thriving, are they burning out? And those are the main components that we're focusing on. I think so many people only track what's happening externally, whether that's their, the progress that they're making with their physical body or progress on the scale. And the idea of this podcast kind of stemmed upon the DMs that I get constantly from so many women out there who are so hyper-focused on what the scale is reading. And the scale can be a great tool, but you have to remind yourself that it is just one tool or one piece of the puzzle when you are tracking your progress. There are so many other ways that you can progress with your health and your fitness, and obviously what your physical body is doing is one of those, but in this episode, we're kind of going to just go through the different ways to track your biofeedback and how progress looks on each of those methods. And you can almost argue when we're talking about overall health that biofeedback is actually more important than the readings you're getting from the scale. Because when sleep is good, when stress is low, when you're not sore all the time and energy is high, hunger is low, when all those things are where you want them to be, you're probably pretty healthy. Now, obviously, there's other factors that are going to go into that and the same thing with weight. But when it comes to overall health, that's just one reminder of why you can't just focus on what the scale is doing because there is an argument for the biofeedback to actually be more important. Yeah, a lot of our clients, they'll start with us and they'll come to us with specific fat loss goals or muscle gain goals or just simply improving their body composition goals in mind. Um, and that's fine. And we encourage you to have aesthetic-based goals if that's something that's important to you. But something that we teach them as we bring them through our membership and through our program is there is so much more going on on the inside to make sure that what's happening on the outside is sustainable long term. And I think that a lot of people, you know, They'll do these intense eight-week challenges or they'll cut their calories super low and they'll, you know, see progress on the outside, but then they'll rebound because maybe sleep was suffering or stress got really high because of that deficit or energy tanked and they weren't making progress in the gym. So it all kind of comes back around to looking at your health from a full picture rather than just what the scale is saying. So why don't we kind of go through each one of those things that we mentioned and talk about why it's important and what you can do to improve it. So why don't we start with sleep? Sleep. So sleep has been something that Josh and I finally are starting to get the hang of again with a infant baby. Um, but sleep is something I think a lot of people kind of just skip over completely. I think at our age, we're both in our late 20s and I guess any age doesn't matter where you are in your life right now. We are all such busy humans, and I think that sleep, unfortunately, is one of the first things to go. So, you know, we're working more than ever before, we're running our kids around, you know, we all have these super busy lives, and by the end of the day, we just want to unwind and, you know, scroll Instagram or watch TV or do whatever we do at night to quote-unquote relax when we should be getting to bed a little bit earlier or focusing on making that sleep more consistent. 
Yeah, I think that parlay is right into what do we do to improve it? Because obviously we can't put more hours in the day. There's only so much time. We have so many things to do between work and training and taking care of the kids and yard work and housework. And it's just, it's a never ending list. So what I recommend to my clients is take the things that you're doing at the end of the day and make sure those are focused on unwinding. So instead of you know sitting in front of the TV for two hours, can you read a book? Can you stretch, do yoga, get to bed a little bit earlier? If you can add you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes to your sleep, it makes a huge difference. Think about rolling out of bed in the morning. You wish you had another half an hour. Well, you did. It was just last night as opposed to, you know, trying to make time up now. So just prioritize sleep over all these other things that are just distractions. Obviously, if there's something important you have to do, that has to get done. But all these other things are just distractions that are taking away from that health. I think it's also really important to establish a routine every day of the weekday as well as on the weekend. So a lot of us are weekend warriors and we'll go out on the weekends. So maybe your sleep looks good during the week, but then it suffers on Friday, Saturday night. So I think the biggest takeaway to get more sleep is to just develop a consistent routine, do what Josh said, and you know make a few tweaks to your bedtime routine, um, wind down a little bit earlier, really kind of relax yourself and then get to bed a little bit earlier so that you can get a little bit more sleep each night. So next up, we're going to talk about stress. Obviously, we are all impacted by stress and it might seem like it's something that you can't really avoid, which in a lot of cases it is. It's something you can't avoid, but it's about how you manage it and how you kind of unwind from it at the end of the day, kind of similar to sleep. So those two things go hand in hand, especially with their effect on the body. So when sleep is low, when stress is high, cortisol is actually increased in your body, leptin is decreased. So those what those things we're talking about have an effect on, on fat loss. So when obviously those things are in moderation and those things are at the levels they're supposed to be, our results are going a whole lot smoother. So when we're talking about stress management, there's so many different ways you can go about it. Whether you're into yoga, whether you just want to focus on mindfulness, if you want to go sit in a quiet room and you know close your eyes, sit in a chair, focus on your breathing for five minutes, it's just things that just separate you from the situation that's going on and kind of let you get a new grasp on that. Um, it's just one of those things that we can't avoid and it comes down to how do we take care of it? What does our body feel best doing? Yeah, I like how you say we can't avoid it because a lot of people think that you have to completely get rid of all of your stress and I think it's also important to note that some stress is a good thing so training your training is actually a stressor on your body and you you don't want to erase your stress completely so I like how Josh said that right off the bat um and then to add to that I think just having a couple of hobbies that have absolutely nothing to do with your work or even with your family I mean just do something that you truly love to do even if it's for just five or ten minutes a day maybe that's you know um, writing in a journal or reading a book or painting or I don't know whatever sounds good to you or think about what made you really happy to do as a kid you're probably still going to enjoy that and you can make five or ten minutes a day available to get that done to help reduce your stress and i can throw one more at you that takes one minute so every day before bed i think of three things that i'm grateful for and it just kind of re-spins and resets my mindset so as opposed as opposed to thinking about wow today sucked i had so much going on the last thing you're thinking about is three things you're extremely grateful for that you're proud of that you're happy you accomplished and it just it's little things like that that help you change your overall mindset and take away from focusing on the negative and re-highlight those positives. Yeah, mindfulness is huge with us and even is something we work on with our clients too. So each week in their check-in, we have them list two positive things that they're grateful for throughout the week. And everybody can let in, list and think of 
just two things that are that they're grateful for and that doesn't have to be fitness related for them so you know they tell us everything from you know I had a great half hour hangout session with my kid the other morning before they went to school or you know it could be anything so just think of the tiny things that happen throughout your day that put a smile on your face and I guarantee you guarantee you it will bring more positivity to your overall life. And rolling right into the next one. So the next one is actually soreness. Um, I think it's important we talk about this because I find that a lot of our clients right off the bat and a lot of people I see on social media, they're chasing being sore from their workouts. And Josh, why don't you tell us why this is not the most ideal thing? Well, for starters, the point of working out is to get stronger, to increase your volume over time. It's not to get sore. Soreness is a byproduct of that happening, especially with a new program, especially if you switch up the reps and you, you're throwing something different at your body. But if you're always sore all the time, that is a constant stressor on your central nervous system and on your overall recovery, and it just weighs everything down. You probably get sick more often. Um, it's just one of those things where we were kind of taught if you're not about to pass out or throw up at the end of your workout, then it wasn't a good workout. And if you're not sore the next day, it wasn't a good workout. So soreness can be regular in, in smaller amounts, but if you're walking around super stiff, you can barely walk, and it's just on a scale of one to 10, if you're at a seven or above all the time, you have to rework and rethink about your overall program. And think about too, if you're that sore every single day or most days of the week, the next workout that you do or the next set of workouts that you do probably isn't going to be to the best of your ability as it would be if you weren't sore. So you kind of have to weigh the pros and cons. Um, I know a lot of us are in that mindset that being sore is a good thing. Um, And like Josh said, sometimes it's normal and it could be a good thing. It means that we're challenging our bodies in new ways, but it's definitely not something that you want to happen all the time. And it's also important to note that when you're sore, you're holding on to more water. There's water retention in your body. So the scale is going to rise from that, which a lot of people I think don't realize. So, you know, say you had a really good workout the other day whether it was cardio or lifting or whatever it was and you're super sore from it and then you're so excited because you think the scale is going to drop the next day and you're actually up three pounds and that can feel really defeating so that's why we have our clients track soreness too because we show them that that does affect the trends of the scale um, when we're looking overall throughout the week yeah those first three things that we talked about already sleep stress and soreness if something weird happened that week and you know let's say we just decreased calories and then the weight didn't do something if we scroll over to that on our check-in we can probably find one red flag at least so if sleep was super low stress is super high soreness is super high that almost always directly correlates to that weight going up so it's one of those things where once our clients kind of figure that out and they understand how those things have a role on the scale and how those things have a role on how weight is changing they actually get less stressed about it and they don't get as, as upset because they understand there's a reason for it. They didn't just gain two pounds of fat. There's some type of thing going on in their body that's causing them to retain a little bit more weight. So it's one of those, oh, the aha moments. You finally figure that out and then it actually reduces stress. You understand why weight's higher and you feel better about it. Moving right along into the next one and that is energy levels. So I think we've all had those days where we just feel like we're a walking zombie and maybe that's from lack of sleep or high stress Um, but that can also be from spending too much time in a caloric deficit or maybe you're at the end of a cut phase and your energy has just tanked both in the gym and out of the gym and that can be somewhat of a normal thing I would say Um, but that can also be something that we want to make sure isn't 
happening for an extended period of time. One question I'll throw at the listeners is when we're talking about biofeedback and you might be thinking, you know what, this really isn't that important. Would you rather have a rating of 10 out of 10 on your energy every single day or lose 10 pounds? And really think about that. The 10 pounds might grab you initially, but if you have tons of energy all day, think about how much more productive you're going to be, how much better you're going to feel, how much better your outlook on life is. So it's just one more thing we don't always think about, but if you're fueling your body the right way, if your energy is as high as it should be, and you're not always struggling to lose weight and just struggling to to grind through whatever phase you're in, everything else just feels better. And that's why we kind of approach fat loss with our clients from a slow and steady process. Our method is, you know, it's old fashioned. We focus on obviously diet and exercise, um, but we don't want to see really fast fat loss with the majority of our clients. And that's just because that's majorly going to impact your energy so you know we like to see generally speaking one to two pound loss per week and if we can maintain that throughout the duration of their cut we find that energy levels actually stay up pretty decently and that number that one to two pounds is based on current size so we're looking at around one percent of overall body weight per week to make it efficient to make it sustainable to make it something where there isn't some huge rebound at the end of the phase and the next biofeedback method that we're looking at here are hunger levels and obviously we all know the feeling of being hungry and some of us can handle that a little bit better than others Um, it's also important to note that if you are in a caloric deficit you are going to experience some hunger and as that goes on those hunger levels are going to come up Um, but we kind of want to control that as much as we can because nobody likes to be hungry and there's really no reason you should be super hungry or feel like you're starving yourself for an extended period of time. And if you have been for an extended period of time, if you've been hungry for a month straight and your energy's dropping, that's actually when cravings spike as well. So that actually, it goes right into that yo-yo dieting, that binge restrict, binge restrict, binge restrict. When you feel satiated, when you feel content and you're not starving throughout the day, when you eat a meal and you're not still hungry, you can actually manage those cravings better, which helps with adherence. And when you're adhering to your program, you're not throwing in a bunch of extra calories. So it's just one more thing to watch. If hunger is spiked up, again, we're looking at that seven, eight, nine, ten range for more than a couple days, there's something you want to address, whether it's the refeed days, if you want to start a maintenance phase, if you want to do do a full-blown reverse diet, there's options, but it is something that you want to look into. And I think it's important to note too that you know, we just said, obviously, you're going to experience some hunger when you're in a caloric deficit if you're in a fat loss phase. And if you are listening and that's you right now, you're in a fat loss phase, um, it's important to know, you know, it's okay to be a little hungry. It's not an emergency. So you don't need to act on it right away. I think this is a good time to practice that mindfulness when it comes to your food too. So let's say you're out and about, you know, you're at the mall shopping or you're whatever, you're out and away from food, away from your kitchen, you have no food with you, you notice yourself getting hungry, just notice it. Be like, okay, I notice I'm getting hungry. I'm not going to keel over and die because there's food readily available. We don't live in caveman times. Um, And then obviously make your way towards getting food when you can. But I think just practicing that mindfulness in the moment can be super helpful if you are that person that's in a fat loss phase right now. So all this should kind of put together the idea that this is a, it's there's a there's a whole spectrum of this. So there is the weight loss side, there is the aesthetic side, there is the body composition side, but there's also the internal side. So when those things are thriving, again to kind of follow up on all of this, 
the aesthetic side is also going to do better. The results are going to be more efficient. You're going to feel better. You're going to bust through those plateaus. When this stuff starts burning out, that's typically when the speed bumps are coming. That's when you're about to hit that wall. Things are about to slow down and there's an issue. So when you can learn how to look at this from both sides of things, that's when you're going to find that maintainability, that sustainability of your program and that long-term success. And if you are somebody who is very hyper-focused on the scale and has always been really obsessed with that number, um, keep in mind too that you should be comparing your weekly scale weights to each other, not daily. So there's going to be a lot of fluctuations that happen from within the scale from all of these biofeedback factors. So now that you know that all of these things that we're talking about really have a big effect on what the scale is reading, you can kind of, you know, watch these trends a little bit better um, and a little with a little bit more education behind it instead of just saying, oh, I lost two pounds of fat last night or oh, I gained two pounds of fat. Like it does, it does not happen that fast, first of all. And second of all, the scale should not dictate your emotions. So if it's making you sad, obviously that's something we want to work on, but also you shouldn't be super happy about losing weight either. It just, it is what it is. Try to view it from a neutral standpoint and start rating all this biofeedback if you haven't yet. So take these concepts, start applying them to your specific journey, and you're going to notice a huge difference in how things evolve for you. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for the new one next Thursday. And that's it for this one. We still don't have a cool exit. Peace.